Welcome to episode 5 of The Story Studio with your hosts Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company, explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, authorpreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Luke Condor with a K, and I'm joined by Mr. Daniel Dan. Wilcox. And we've got guests today. We've got Frizz on Comics. We've got Katie Whittle and Tom Smith. So if you guys want to say some words so we know what you sound like. Hi, uh, I'm Tom, and I'm the writer <laughs> for Frizz on Comics. And I'm Casey, and I'm the illustrator. <laughs> Great, cool. How's it going, guys? How's the writing going? How's the creating going? You working on much? Uh, yeah, well, we've just finished writing. Well, I've finished writing the uh, next story, and I'm about to uh, put that to a storyboard, and we're about to try and get our second graphic novel out now. Cool, cool. That's exciting. That's a sequel to. Uh, I'm going to get the title wrong. Leave only footprints. Take on photographs. Leave only footprints. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we'll get into that a bit more in in detail throughout the show. Uh, Dan, how's your writing going? Yeah, mine's going well. I um, we're sort of whittling away at our projects. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I've had a personal best with my writing this week. I uh, I somehow managed fourteen thousand words okay. in seven days, which was a personal best for me. So yeah, just kind of flying forward with um, Project Lazarus and getting that <laughs> off the ground. I had a personal best as well, but it was like mired by the fact that it wasn't as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> so I got about thirteen thousand, but you know we're getting there. Um, yeah, that's the point. The personal, though, isn't it? It's everyone's different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay. So me to that big whoops. So uh, what a big whoop! Do you guys have a big whoop ready for us? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got one ready. Okay. Um, cool. Uh, well, my big whoop, I guess, is uh, a comic that I've been reading recently called uh, I Am a Hero by Kengo Hanazawa. Okay. Uh, it's sort of like a zombie horror film. It's been out for quite a while in Japan, but it's just come out over here. And it's like in a first omnibus edition. And it's like supposedly a horror thing, but like no horror comes into it for about 200 pages or something like that. And what I find really interesting is like how it deals with sort of like a sort of very honest representations of like relationships and feelings of sort of uh, self-deprecation and inadequacy and stuff like that, which <laughs> nice. I found quite interesting from a personal, for personal <laughs> reasons. Um, <laughs> who, who published that? Uh, it's uh, Dark Horse. That's uh, done okay. it. Yeah. Published for their label. Yeah. 200 pages in, there's like no biting or anything yet? or No, no. There's, uh, there's like hints towards it. Like yeah. uh, maybe... Yeah, but it's like literally, I think it's about 300 and something pages and it doesn't really get going until like right at the end. But it's just like the first, there's like quite a lot more to come out, I think. Yeah. I just really liked how it started and the very slow build. And, so, it's, uh, so it's gripping enough to keep you going for those 200 pages? Yeah, even though it's basically just sort of uh, just his relationship and how he feels. In it's basically, it's about like a manga author who yeah. is... Uh, He's moved in with his new girlfriend, whose ex is a very successful manga author, and he's having to deal with quite a lot of feelings of uh, 
inadequacy and stuff surrounding that and it sort of like feeds into his I mean he's already a psychotic before the apocalypse happens Right. So, <laughs> it's very interesting but... cool uh, Katie have you got a big whoops it's well, alright if not recently, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recently I bought uh, Through the Woods well Into the Woods by Emily Carroll yeah. um, I'd seen it plenty of times on bookcases mm. um, really it was the cover that made me buy it just because it's like so beautiful and it's very textured and and like kind of uh, I don't know, it's just like really creepy and weird and unusual. Like um there's a lot of horror comics out there and there's a lot of fairy tale comics out there. Yeah. And some like usually like it tends to be either very, very sort of like childish or very gory. And this was like a nice mixture of like sort of just very creepy and mm. surreal. So it's a um, book it's a book, right? It's not a, not a graphic novel or a comic book or anything. No, it is a comic. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> is that yeah. is that the one that the stage play and the film are based on? Um, not sure. Because <laughs> Into the woods, yeah. Is that yeah. different? Have I got that wrong. No, 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 no. I think that was like a Disney thing that came out. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be mistaken. Though. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's a different thing. It is, okay. it is a graphic novel, so it's like a collection of fairy tales. Cool. Uh, of like the ones that I think she's made herself, and yeah. like it, it is a graphic novel, but it doesn't follow a graphic novel format. It doesn't have panels or anything. Like all like the different like um, storylines are very fluid, and they all like go into each other. And oh, okay. It's cool. very very. And horrible. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Wilcox. He, uh, my, uh, yeah, go on. Go on. No, I was just going to say. Uh, my, <laughs> my, uh, my big whoop is um, something that I've been watching for a little while. I'm slowly getting through it, but I'm just loving where it's going. Is um, Preacher, okay. which has been obviously, uh, obviously originally a comic turned graphic novel turned TV show. on. Hmm. Uh, it's Amazon Prime exclusive, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like AMC or anything, though. Um, and yeah, now I, I read the uh, original collection, the first collection of uh, the comics, and I thought it was absolutely bloody and brilliant and wicked and just completely original. And I was really interested to see what happened when they turned it into a TV show because it's um, Seth Rogen's executive producer, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and obviously he's a bit sort of wacky and stuff, and I wondered what they do with it. Um and it's one of those shows that's similar to um, the the graphic novel you mentioned, Tom. It's quite a slow build-up in making things happen, but it seems very deliberate in taking its time. Yeah. And for those people who don't know the premise, it's that a thing comes down out of heaven, goes into the body of a preacher, and gives him the power of the Lord so that anything that he says for people to do, they do. You have another character who's an Irish vampire who's absolutely phenomenal, just a brilliantly bloody wicked character. And then Tulip, who's just an angry kind of manic ex-girlfriend type person. Mm. Um, and I was, yeah, I was interested to see how it went from the book into the TV show. But they've they've kind of changed the the line of the story a bit to make it fit TV better and fit into a modern world because it was originally written in the I want to say the late eighties or early nineties, maybe. Yeah, um, I'd probably say early nineties. I'm not, I'm not completely sure. Something around there. But, yeah, um, yeah, and they've done a fantastic job. It's just brilliant yeah. to watch. See, I'm a massive fan of the comic books. I remember reading those like years ago and sort of losing a weekend to them. And um, I think I've watched the first two episodes of the TV show, and it it's not like I can see why they've done the diff- the changes. And I, I quite mm. like some of like the um, I like the style and, and the music and everything that, that they're using in it. But um, I mean, until Hairstar comes in it, I don't know if you did you read about Hairstar? Did you get that far in the story? He's like the neo-Nazi. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if he's going to come into it. Uh, spoilers or no spoilers? I think that was a spoiler, so yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, I think it wasn't until about episode five that the story started making sense. There's a lot of kind of unexplained build-up in the first few episodes, but um, it's ten episodes so far, I believe, and I'm up to, I'm just coming up to the final episode and really enjoying yeah. it now. Yeah, because I know there's been some pushback. I think some people aren't happy that it's like changed from the comic books and some people you know happy that it's trying something different and isn't following it completely um i'll give it a go dan i will i will take your recommendation (laughs) (laughs) um so my big whoop is something i can't quite explain (laughs) but it's this um it's this platform called steam it um Uh. so i'll do my best to explain it it's the um it's halfway between a cryptocurrency like bitcoin um and halfway between, I can like already a, see their faces. <laughs> yeah, halfway between a social <laughs> yeah. media platform like Reddit, but I don't really understand that how currency works. Obviously, because the way it works is you post content, and then if you if you get upvoted and how much you get upvoted by, by and by who you get upvoted by, um, you get paid. So this is amazing to me because I've seen some people. A friend of mine, Eric, is making about £2,000 for a short story, which is like, it's unbelievable. So we're, we're going to experiment with it. I want to get Eric on the show to find out what he's, what he's doing because in my, I've never known people to get paid for short stories generally, and I really love short <laughs> stories. So, Unless it's like £20 in publication in a magazine. Exactly, yeah. So the fact that this guy is, well, not to be shy about it, he's, he's raking it in. <laughs> like he's seriously making so much money. So, yeah, I've seen the numbers. Quite a few of his stories are sort of yeah. quadruple figures, which is absolutely mental because it just feels like Reddit, but with, like you say, this weird cryptocurrency that yeah. I, I don't understand. I'm waiting for you to make sense of it so you can explain it. Exclusively for uh, like written, like like prose, or is it? No, so you can post any content. So um, at the minute, it's a bit of a mishmash. I think it's only been going six months. So I think the reason he's probably getting so much payout is because he's an early <laughs> adopter. Um, yeah. And there's not many people on there, so it's just weighing towards him. But um, there's people doing like photography journals. I'm sure you could do like a like a weekly web comic or something. Um, but as far as I can tell, the sooner you get on there and the more and the, the, the as long as you're posting frequently, you're going to start building up those numbers and, and start getting some decent money. We've been I've been experimenting, been posting like less than a thousand word posts, um, just bits of a short story, like sequentially. Um, and we've only been going three days and have made like, made about a tenner or something. It's not massive, but I mean, it's quite exponential in the growth. So if you keep going, who knows, you know, where, where it will go really. So if you guys do want to do some comic book stuff up there, I don't think there's anyone doing that yet. So could yeah, be. Yeah, that's Steam it, S T E E M I T. Com. Yeah, and if anyone now they can explain how it works, mm-hmm. how content makes money just by being upvoted. Yeah, I watched, the, I watched the intro video to that, and they use a lot of big words that don't <laughs> appeal to the to the modern man, I yeah. don't feel. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I melted halfway through the intro video. It, yeah, uh... I feel like it's that kind of, I don't know, Joe, when someone tries to explain something to you and they try to show off how clever they are. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. that kind of thing, so yeah. it's worth a shot. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we are joined by Frizon Comics. So, guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you started working together and um, where you met, what was the first project together, and, and all that jazz. Uh, well, uh, we, both, we both met at 
at work, basically. We both used to work in the same cinema together. Uh-huh. Um, I'd never really read comics before until I was probably about 27, and Katie introduced me to them. And I, I was more from a, a writing background, and uh, she's an illustration background, and we both wanted to get work out there, and it just seemed natural that it would be uh, good for us to work together, I think. What was the comic bit that sold you? Like, what comic did Katie show you that made you think, oh, okay, this this is pretty what? cool? I, I was always put off by sort of like superhero orientated stuff as a kid. Yeah. Um, I, it never really appealed to me too much growing up. I mean, I, used, I guess I used to watch the films and stuff, but it never really bothered me. And she lent me like a selection of what she thought could possibly get me into the medium, which included like uh, Sandman, The Crow, yeah. um, Mouse, um, Watchmen. Watchmen. <laughs> this kind of goes against the trend, like. But, uh, <laughs> Um, it's invasive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that, and then ever since then, I started started seeking them out on my own. And uh, that was yeah. your gateway comic. Yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah, it's kind of like hooks since. Yeah, <laughs> moved on to harder stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Katie? When did you start drawing? I mean, did you start really young? Did you sort of get into it a little bit later on? Um, I've always drawn really. Like I so did actually start really young. Um. I've always come up with my own stories and stuff and illustrate them, you know, we've got like my first ever comic that I wrote, which was when I was 11, still at home, it's in like mm. a little folder, um, being the young goth that I was, it's very dark, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I've, I've always kind of wanted to go into the comic medium, um, so I started reading comics when I was about 10, like started like buying comics when I was about 13, yeah. and that sort of pushed uh, my artwork more towards comic making yeah like i did all my gcse projects on comics i did my um degree on comics i wrote, I wrote my dissertation about comics <laughs> so. wow. that's cool so the same question though do you remember what the first comic was that you read that sort of turned you on to them um i had like a lot of um sort of like horror magazines as a kid you know yeah. sort of like um ones where you get like free little gooey like frankensteins and stuff with and i used to like reading them but the first proper graphic novel I bought was The Crow, and it was just because I loved the film, and I didn't realise it had come from a comic, and I just assumed that, basically, that, again, most comic books I thought there was going to be superhero stuff, and it was kind of stuff like that that really got me into it. And then, yeah, I started reading Sandman. Mm. Like, that really, really got me into the movie. <laughs> like, it was just yeah. very intelligent and very well thought out. I think, that's a, I think a lot of people are under the impression that, like, comics is superhero based or Beano or, or they've got a certain um idea of it but it's incredibly literary or there are there I mean it's just as open a medium as prose or films or TV or anything. There's so many like amazing comics out there that are just they're I mean Dan, you're not a big comic book person, are you, I don't think? No, I mean I, I enjoy the odd one here and there and I've mm. got a few friends that are massively into them that um sort of they'll read something like I've read what the, I can't remember which Hawkeye it was, but the latest one that everyone's reading. Um, uh, because so I was Matt recommended. Fraction one. Matt that Fraction is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoy, I enjoy this style. I enjoy um, the medium itself. It's just that normally I will hunt out a book as opposed to uh, a comic because I was the same. I found that, well, my biggest thing that puts me off of buying comics is the fact that, especially with Marvel and DC, which are kind of, have monopolized comics. Hmm. It's, it seems a big commitment to commit to 
one character over whatever storyline. There's a lot going to yeah. it. So when it came round to a friend to introduce me to Preacher, um, and I've actually just bought the first collection of The Walking Dead because I love the TV show. Um, it, I prefer those style, I think, a lot more to your sort of shorter superhero ones. Yeah. So you prefer graphic novel. You you can get in there, get the story, get out. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. I, I know what you mean. I mean, um, a lot of these, like, <laughs> I was trying to explain to Kat, like, the um the all new all different Marvel Avengers and I was trying to go for all the different characters <laughs> and she was like why is Thor a woman why is Spider Man black and I was trying to like it took me like about half an hour to explain to get her to a point where I think she'd be able to read it and sort of enjoy <laughs> it so there's a lot of like there's a lot of uh, weight behind there yeah but, um, but I think more and more now you are getting sort of indie comic publishers like yourself that are creating much more literary stuff I mean um. Take any photographs, leave any footprints, which I got right, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, when I read that, it was very, it, it just felt so different because it was away from, from the superhero genre. And even down to, I, I've only really got Preacher as a frame of reference, but it felt a lot more grounded, a lot more almost local and, mm, yeah. I don't know, like, fulfilling to read. Yeah. yeah love comics for local people. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we, even we try to stay away from even um, things within the horror genre as well. I mean, you mentioned Walking Dead. I'm actually a big fan of that, but we kind of wanted to move away from kind of like gore orientated horror. Yeah. And what's something that was like a bit more creepy and maybe a little bit more subtle. I don't know if we achieved that or not. Uh, but yeah, that's what yeah. like you did, yeah. I mean, I, um, I read it a couple of days ago and it was just. One of those that, I don't know, I got quite hooked from the beginning and it is a bit of a slow burner until you get about halfway through. I don't want to say too much in case like it spoils it for other people, but yeah, you get halfway through and they come back from the beach and the stuff starts happening and I'm just like, right, this is disgusting. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this is horrible. And I, I generally got quite creeped out by it. Um, but I mean, is it worth you guys telling us a little bit about how that comic came to be, where the idea for that came from? Um, it is actually based on a, a little bit on a true story. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, we actually, uh, had a trip to the beach, um, and I have a habit of like, like actually, collect, I, I collect things on the beach. I collect all the dead crabs. I do collect all like the barnacles. <laughs> like everything that looked like it was once alive, mm. and I normally take it all home and I make a little pile and then I forget about it. And I did it. <laughs> and I heard all these noises coming from um, a bag in our living room and it was like all these drip drip noises and I thought we had a leak and it just like it took me ages to actually find out where it was coming from I actually did like look under all the floorboards I was like putting my ear against all the walls and everything and it turned out it was coming from this bag and it was the, the barnacles alive in my bag and so. they and they make a drip <laughs> dripping sound I've yeah, never I've never seen happened. this in real life is this no. is this something that happens uh, yeah, it, well, yeah, actually, if you, if you actually go on the comic, there's a QR code at the end. I did see that. Scan, yeah. If you scan that into your phone, it actually takes you to a video of the genuine barnacles, and it oh, plays the noise that they were making as well. Well, well I, I know what I'm doing after this interview. I'm a cute person. I actually really like them. I wanted to keep them as a pet, but like, maybe for a little bit, but... Yeah, we actually did release them in the end. We actually put them back there. We're from Liverpool, so we put them in the Mersey, which is the title of it, so they yeah. were fine. Okay. But, I once had um, I once had freshwater clams in a fish tank, and I'd never seen them alive, and it was the weirdest thing because they don't really come out until night. And I remember coming down at about two o'clock in the morning. My house, my bathroom is downstairs, and seeing just it basically just looked like snot outside of this shell, and it was crawling along the bottom of the floor. I was like, oh, 
but they they <laughs> didn't quite make drip drippy noises, but probably because they were underwater. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the, the noise that comes from the barnacles is um the shell opening and closing, so it sort of like makes a popping noise. Uh, so, okay. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes the story even more gruesome for me now. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, in terms of like influences, when I read it, I got a like a, it's a surreal sense of like a Kafka story or like a Junji Ito sort of story. Um, but like, unlike those stories, this like had a very, it felt like the missing episode of the Twilight Zone to me. Like it was just you know you went in there, you like introduced a creepy concept, like a what if scenario, and then you took it to its conclusion, and it felt like a f- complete episode to me it was, it was really good i mean i'd like to know who who would you say were, were the main influences of this particular story well it's funny you should say junji oh really because that's the that's the kind of thing we would trying to sort of go for it's where it's like sort of like a mix of the like really horrible surreal horror sort of like mixed with like a really dark sense of humor as well and it might just be both well i i, I personally find it quite funny but maybe other people don't but we're yeah. trying to go for like a healthy mix of like sort of like fun humor yeah. as well as like the like genuinely dark uh, horror as well yeah yeah there, there were some moment sticks of me as the um old woman on the back yeah of the bus. i was gonna say the same thing yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 no she uh you're right there's little sort of injections of humor in there but they're quite subtle so i think yeah. they could be missed by some people if it's not read properly but yeah I, I, th- I do think you possibly don't have to find it funny to still get enjoyment out of it Mm. I'd say like one of the influences as well would be something like League of Gentlemen, where it is genuinely really creepy, but yeah. at the same time quite hilarious. Yeah. But like, there's like plenty of times in League of Gentlemen where it's really, really uncomfortable, and you are genuinely creeped out, and it's not always directly hot, like comedy. Yeah. That really <laughs> That that is a genre in itself, isn't it? Like there's the the one that they did after League of Gentlemen, which was I thought was even more terrifying. Um. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, Psycho. Yeah, I found that like seriously, like it was a horror film in many ways, but it was also like ludicrously funny. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, how long did the process take? Like, so you had the idea. um, Who said this should be a graphic novel? Well, originally, um, I I wrote it in prose as a short story. It's about uh, about twelve pages long. I can't remember how many words. Um, and I wrote that basically in the space of a week or so. Uh, originally, I was going to try and submit it just as a short story, just maybe see if anyone would be interested in publishing it. And then uh, Katie approached me, and she's currently doing a, a master's in illustration. And uh, she's like, approached me about adapting it into a comic book. It was quite a good, short, self-contained story. I thought, and then, yeah. And I guess I guess you kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like um, he passed it on to me to read originally, and it had like a good mixture of emotions in it. Like um, it was horrible, but at the same time, you got attached to the characters in the first story, and like I thought the ending was quite sad on it. Like I genuinely felt quite um, yeah, depressed when I finished it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you sort of left thinking about something afterwards. Yeah. So I was just, like thinking about it, and I thought like maybe a visual element would be a good addition. Yeah, and I was very happy for Katie to mm. like do it in her style. It's kind of, and it's kind of, it's kind of like sort of like when have you, if you've ever seen the cartoon When the Wind Blows, it's sort of about these two sort of like cutesy old characters, and basically they get 
an atomic bomb dropped on the village, and it's about them slowly dying from radiation poisoning. And it's sort of like the contrast of this kind of like cartoony sort of like cutesy characters with all these sort of like horrific things happening to them at the same time. Uh, and I thought it was like it kind of like accentuates the horror, and I thought uh, Kate's style would uh, help us to do that quite a lot. Yeah, it definitely did. It was fantastic. Yeah. Did you find them um, because this was this was your first project working together, right? Uh, yeah, it's that yeah. first project. Yeah. yeah. Did you find many points of resistance with? Did um, Katie want to take the imagery in any way that might have detracted from the original story, or was it kind of a smooth process? Uh, well, I draw them out in my very terrible drawings, like beforehand <laughs> on like uh, like the storyboarding almost. So I think it's fairly smooth. I think. Did you say you work well with direction or? Yeah, I found it quite helpful because, like, I have actually, I did actually start my own webcomic um, a couple of years ago, and I found that I sort of tailored off finishing it off or working on it consistently, just purely because, like, I think I work better when I've kind of got like a framework to go from. So, like, him actually, you know, doing a very, very, very basic, you know, sort of panel layout or whatever did did help, and it sort of like meant that like I could put like some more crazy panels in there as well, you know, because I could see what did work and what didn't. Yeah. Like um, some of the more experimental panels, like, oh, you know, because maybe like, I got to I could critique how we done it and then change it myself. That, uh, Which sounds like a really weird way of thinking, but it, it does help definitely. <laughs> that that it's a, it's a match made in heaven because that style does suit that story. I mean, I can't really picture it being any other way really and having the same effect. It reminds me. Have you ever read the the Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire? Oh, it's, it's, you should check it out because it's still it's the same kind. It's a similar sort of illustration style. It's a similar sort of what if Twilight Zone style story. Um, I think you'll dig it. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, so how far did you get when you were like, okay, we need to crowdfund it? We're asking because we are going to be doing some of our own crowdfunding style stuff at some point, and we don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 didn't really know how to do it either. We kind of like entered into it on a whim. We just kind of did it one afternoon, and we launched it. And we didn't even have like a Facebook page ready, or we didn't have anything. And we set it up, and we we're like, "Crap! How are people even going to know about this?" Yeah. <laughs> how many, how many did you ask for initially? And then we kind of like sort of like had to catch up with it, basically. So yeah. we kind of like. Uh, set up a blog and Facebook and all the social media stuff that you <laughs> do today. Yeah. In these days, no matter how much you don't want to do it, it's like I'm not really a massive fan of like Facebook and Instagram and all these kind of things. But you just have to become okay with it and just yeah. not be afraid to like put it out there. Because yeah. I was always worried that like, if I'm putting it on my personal Facebook or whatever, people are just going to be sick of me. It is like I'm sick of them trying begging for money for it <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, it helps if you have a strict deadline set for publishing and stuff anyway, like before you start, because like I think it helped with us because we like I I did have to get this comic finished to hand in as well as oh uh, okay that. yeah yeah so I did have like a very very tight deadline and that sort of helped us formulate like how long we needed the to crowdsource for um it's like so it helped a lot you know with like sort of estimating how long it would take for stuff to get sent out how long it would take to get um built. Like yeah, to yeah. like fill, fulfill the deliveries and stuff like that. Mm. And I think one of the biggest things that helped is like is that we were very realistic about how much we needed to like be able to get the because it's basically just to fund the printing. 
Um, yeah, yeah. And like you see some uh, Kickstarters that maybe don't get successfully funded. I think a lot of it's because they kind of like have a misconception of how much they're going to be able to fund on it, on, especially on a first project where you basically coming from nothing. So our plan with it was to sort of like build up a, a, very, a very modest, but at least somewhat of a, a, a customer base, mm. almost that people are willing to take risks on new things. Yeah. Um, and we, we basically, we just said, all we want is the money to be able to print it. Yeah. Um, so how much would you say for a first project, the initial, initial yeah. asking price would be? What we asked for was we, we our target was only 800 because uh, we, we wanted to get a, a run of about, I think we planned to do 125 and I think we ended up with 175 of what we managed to raise in the end, mm. just enough copies to sort of like just get it out there and then mm. we basically calculated if we managed to sell all those then we'll have enough to fund the next print run and um, just carry on going and that was, I mean, it, it really depends how many pages you're going for, like, what, I mean, we wanted to have like quite a professional looking book at the end of it. Um, so I think we went with like, was it one of the more expensive ones? Like Crimson? No, no, it was like very reasonable. Um, the printers we went with just to put a little plug in here was Comic Printing UK. And yeah, the they're, they're the ones that always come up when I talk to people. Yeah, well, the, the guy Rich who runs it, he's amazing. He like gave me us so much guidance along with you know like how to get stuff printed, how many pages we'd need, and you know just just generally you know binding and things like that. You know he recommended us a lot of things and. He, like even at his own detriment at times it wasn't just the sell stuff to you it's just genuinely very very helpful and i can vouch for the quality of those comics because at the it was london um film and comic-con that i met you guys wasn't it and yeah, granted i was in a giant inflatable dinosaur costume but, uh, <laughs> but no they they were really really sort of professionally printed they looked like you you sort of, <laughs> sort of buy in a shop they were they were fantastic yeah 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 we were really impressed when we got them actually like uh, we'd seen other people that had printed with them um, but you, you always kind of worry until they actually come through the door in that box and you actually get to feel how nice they yeah. feel. <laughs> yeah. like, Just in case they don't meet your expectations. <laughs> Did you have yeah. any, any hiccups along the way? Like, is there anything that, that went wrong that you would do differently next time or advise people to be wary of? Um, not so much like things that went wrong, but there's, hmm. like certain things that I would advise people to do in advance sort of like maybe contacting um like blogging websites and stuff mm. you know to promote stuff like like a lot earlier on like we only did it in the last week mm. and we, we did get picked up by a couple of people and it did definitely help you know within the last week or so getting a couple more like people pledging so i'd say do it earlier on and just like keep at people you know throughout the whole campaign you know so you've got a constant momentum because yeah. like it's what tends to happen is you tend to get like a spike in the very first week it dips in the middle and then you get a spike at the end because you're at the top of the chart again because you're finishing. So you need stuff in the middle. You need to um, keep out in the middle. You need to promote it more. You need to contact more people to promote it. Yeah. And, and you say that when you started, you didn't have any of your other pages set up. So what was it that was initially that you initially went to for your audience? Because you, you posted on your personal pages, but was there anything else that you kind of used in the meantime to fill that gap? Absolutely, there actually really wasn't. I mean, Katie's already got like a, a page <laughs> and a blog set up for her illustration, but I mean, I literally had nothing. And uh, yeah. we didn't even, one thing that really does help actually is like we didn't really want to put a video on because we thought we'd come across this kind of like 
awkward and not very well. <laughs> we do now, but uh, <laughs> uh, um, and we we would like really thought it would hinder us if anything to have a video on there. Mm. Um, but about halfway through the campaign, like after all the people that we knew, it like had like already pledged their money and we were kind of like it seemed to be lagging a bit. We put a video on and even a bad one that we did put up helped us quite a lot. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just want to, you know, sort of like hear from the creators a little bit. I yeah. think it's kind of like why people use Kickstarter in the first place is because the human touch. And, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, they can, it's like they're taking a risk on something that they really want to see fulfilled. And, yeah. you know, a lot, of the, a, lot of, a lot of the time before you don't have a say in that, do you? You basically have to have the end product that an industry is pushing towards you or something like that. Yeah. Um, say like when formulating actually what your budget should be, you should take into account like uh, the people who are buying from you as well. Uh, we put up a stretch goal for when we got an extra two hundred pound on top of our original funding, so we could just like give out badges, posters, and stickers. And like a lot of crowdfunding pages that fail, they don't offer extra things, and they don't really tailor towards the people who are actually pledging. Like it's all about kind of taking the money, and they don't really give back enough at times. Yeah. But I think you need to look after the people who are actually backing you mm. and yeah. sort of give them credit as well. <laughs> and that's something that, what was the, um, Luke, do you remember when we met in Sheffield? What was the comic that you bought that had all the bonus stuff then? Oh, uh, do you remember? Uh, Brethren Born is John Late's um, Kickstarter comic. Um, yeah, because but... it definitely adds that little bit of extra something, doesn't it? Because if, yeah. I feel like if you want to, try and help out someone who is indie who is just trying to start off and make that that vision it is nice to kind of know that you're being cared for as well that you're being appreciated for for your help so what what kind of stuff did you give out as extra oh uh, well we've got a badge pack made so everyone who backed a physical copy after the stretch goals were here got four badges uh they got a pack of vinyl stickers and they got an exclusive poster as well Really? Yeah, like even at the, like the lowest tier where you got a physical copy where it's ten pound, you got all those things. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Yeah, and we've got everyone got a PDF as well. Like every, everyone who bought a physical copy originally anyway got a PDF just so that even if their copy got damaged, you still have the PDF version. Yeah, and just like looking through your Facebook page, it looks like you're doing a lot of like conventions at the minute. Are you? Uh, is that like your ongoing marketing strategy, or is there anything else going on there? Basically, at the moment, the thing that we're doing is we're trying to see which ones are worth doing and which ones aren't, because yeah. what you can sell at a convention really varies between who's running the conventions, who's attending them, what the general goal is towards them. For example, like the one that you met was at the the London one. Um, those ones that run by uh, the Showmasters thing, um, they're not necessarily the best with small press, because at that one we sold more of Katie's sort of illustration. Than we did really. We think we sold about four books in total. Yeah, and you were kind of separated from the rest of the comic section as well, weren't you? You were. I'm not sure why why they did, but you had your sort of upper balcony full of comic artists and a few other people, and then you were kind of down on the bottom stools. In a way, that was a good thing for us because showmasters are terrible at promoting small press. Mm. Like, not many people knew that the comic um, alley was up there at all. Uh, I spoke to a couple of traders, and a lot of them hadn't made their table back, and they had a reduced fee as well. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, like, there's another reason to stay away from showmasters. They like they really don't care that much about small press. Like, they, like it's more about maybe memorabilia and autographs, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. It's just not great for 
you know people are producing indie work. Yeah, I think I've heard this is a is a bit of a a common conversation going around at the minute about Comic Cons not really catering towards comics at the minute. Um, these bigger ones, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, kind of doing, yeah. Not it's not doing the term Comic Con much justice really at the moment. It's yeah, it's more like collectors, yeah, and pop vinyl cons really. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you guys said you went to MCM as well, didn't you? Uh, we go. We're going to MCM going to Glasgow in, in September. Yeah, because yeah. when I went to um, MCM last year, it was last May at the XL in London. That I found. Um, I mean, it was before I met the H&C guys and before I kind of got a bit more clued up on comics and stuff, but they had an entire section that was purely for indie small press comics. And they had some, I don't know, it had everyone clustered together, but there weren't big, big names. They were sort of people who were breaking through the concrete and getting their name out there. And that that Mm. seemed quite nice because they were sort of talking together, networking, and at the same time, they were very nice at pushing their stuff and trying to draw you into their mailing list of bonus things and so i think that one i mean that probably might be a bit better to look at than say the film on comic-con yeah the one that we're really excited about is going to thought bubble in november because yeah. we, we go there all the time and like the focus is on there is you know indie small press is that at uh, leeds or where is that one yeah it's Leeds. yeah so yeah, that's the one I'm, that's that's dan that's one i was telling you about where you get to pitch a story for 2000 ad I'm gonna, the terrifying thing. The terrifying yeah. thing that we're we'll trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna? Are you gonna try it, Tom? Uh, <laughs> I'm not ready yet. I was, I they still... are very nice, though. <laughs> I went a few years ago with a portfolio, and they were very kind about making oh, cool. the best work. <laughs> uh, are you gonna do it, Luke? Because you said you were thinking about. I it. I really want to because I really want to write for 2000 AD. I really want to get a future <laughs> shock done. So, um, I think, you know, I've been on stages before and. To varying degrees of success, so I think it would be okay. I am, um, I just know that I, I need to do it. I just need to get on stage and do it, and it'll be fine. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> very, very nice. They're very helpful as well. Like even if they don't take your work, they'll tell you exactly what's wrong with it and what you need to improve. But not in a bad way, in a very good critique way. <laughs> okay, cool. So <laughs> it's not like not like Dragon's Den or anything, then, right? Because that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, yeah, do you find a lot of, do you find in terms of building an audience um that cons are quite helpful or do you do a lot of social media stuff and digital stuff as well that you find is quite good for because I'm not what are your sort of obviously don't answer if you don't want to but what are your numbers sort of like for followers and fans? Um, I mean, obviously we, we you can't always, say reasonable. <laughs> we, we, we always we always want to be like have more and everything, but you know. We like the cons. We see you see everyone is like every con that we do is like an opportunity to like meet people and mm. even if they just take a business card or a flyer or they check out our website or something, you know maybe I mean we try to get in the process of getting the comic on Amazon at the moment. So I think once it's on there, like people sort of like see it as almost like a sign of legitimacy. Yeah. It's on one of the big sites like that. Um. So I mean, like it all it all contributes towards. It's all progress in in, our, in my eyes, anyway. We've had like a lot of very positive feedback about it, which leads me to think that if we did produce another graphic novel, that they would be quite happy to purchase it. Yeah, we've had a lot of feedback from people who bought it at conventions who aren't necessarily ongoing fans, but yeah, I think there's a good market for it, and I think that we are building up a subtle base rather than you know a screaming fan base. <laughs> it's 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 the same with every 
independent publishing company. I think it's that whole idea of the 1,000 true fans. So just finding those people who really like your stuff, who are going to follow you around and buy more than one book. And um, I think that's the thing to aim for there, right? Rather than a lot of people yeah, don't really care. The thing is, it, it's kind of hard to get, because there's so much content out there, it's hard to get people to take a risk on something that's just totally unknown to them, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, they need, a lot of the time it takes a recommendation from someone, or, you know, it's it's... It's kind of hard because we get a lot of people picking it up and looking at it, and you can see like they're, they're, they're tempted, but they're just not sure. And, yeah. and you don't you don't want to start doing the hard sell to them and stuff like that at conventions because that just kind of this then it just scares them away. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's, you just got to try and for it to happen naturally, I guess. <laughs> you should um, do that yeah. thing. I I did a job interview as a salesman once, and it was giving out flyers and stuff. And they said, well, the thing you should do is you hand them the book and as they grab it, you pull them with it back towards you. To, like, <laughs> I, I didn't get the job because I wasn't willing to do that. But um, That sounds yeah. awful. I, I think yeah. I'd push the person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was giving flyers out at the Comic uh, Con in Sheffield yesterday um, and there's just people, they, just, they see people giving flyers out and they're instantly suspicious. Yeah. They just think that you're going to try and, you know, you're going to you're some kind of con artist said to resort to giving stickers out for free as well and people were happy to take the stickers so they took a flyer as well so (laughs) there's something a bit weird about stickers you could have what is essentially the content of a flyer on a sticker and people will wear that more proudly than taking a leaflet (laughs) it's totally true as well so we've got out oh go on luke uh no go on because i've got a next question so you go (laughs) Okay, I was going to say, so we're we're doing our first con uh, on the 1st of October in Lincoln. It's called the Lincoln, um, which is the first time that this company, particularly company, has come to Lincoln to do one. Um, but it's got it's got quite a big venue. It's sort of just around the corner to where I work. And we're going to, I think we're going to get quite a good bit of footfall. What sort of advice would you give us while we're there to help with what we're doing? Bear in mind, we don't have a comic yet. <laughs> no, we have a comic on the way, and we have some books amongst books. us writers. Yeah. We actually did a comic con in Manchester before we had the book printed, and uh, we concentrated on trying to get flyers out and build some awareness. And we actually, uh, Katie's still at uni, so she gets discounted printing. So mm. we mocked up some sort of like very basic, um, about twenty pages, I think it was, the first twenty pages of the book. And we're handing them out to people. We just we actually just give it them out for free, but I think we could have possibly sold them for one or two pounds, possibly if we were, yeah. we were still working at that point, like proper jobs. <laughs> um, I, th- I think we should dress Ben as El Marvo. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I um, I, I think we should go and give out loads of free stuff. Uh, and just ask for email addresses. I think, and uh, we've got plenty of free stuff to give out. So yeah. Hugs. One of the things I've been recommended um, to do, but we haven't actually started doing yet ourselves, is starting a mailing list as well, taking people's emails. Yeah. Um, like, I try and engage as many people as you can and tell them about what you're doing, yeah, um, rather than just handing them a flyer, because people just throw them away or don't look at them after the con. I'd say that people, when they want to put money towards things, they want to meet the creators and they want to know what it's about from the personality of the creator, so I'd say just be very genuine. And engage with as many people as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it'll be good, Dan. Dan. I think Dan would be really good. He's very like he's a charming fellow. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, a lot of my it. background is actually uh, a bit of a side note for people that don't know. I used to be a chlamydia screener, 
And that involved going out into nightclubs and trying to convince people to do tests. So I think I'd make it all right as a bit of a, a bit of a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, nice. I think I got, I got a free share, but did that doing that once in a club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad freebie. We normally gave away things like whistles and pants. <laughs> we should give out free chlamydia tests at the con and see I think <laughs> see how many people <laughs> we get. Yeah, I've, I've I've got the contacts. I'll see if I can get some equipment. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's next for Frizz on Comics? What are you? I mean, I saw something about a not an anthology, but like a a, a collected works or something. It's called Knock Knock. Is that right? Um, it's a zine that we put together um, because we noticed when we were doing our Kickstarter that there were several artists actually already on Kickstarter from Liverpool. Like in the comics part alone, there were three of us out of 200, which considering that the Kickstarter spans across the whole world, that's a large amount really. Mm. And there wasn't really a network so much for like um, local artists. So we uh, decided to start contacting people and try like uh, because we wanted to set up, you know, an easy way for people to contact each other and promote each other. Yeah. So that's what Knock Knock is. We've it's a collected um, book of stories, illustrations, comics. Um, it's got everything in it. It's got fine art in it as well, poetry. You know, so it is really, really collective, and it sort of is a way of sort of promoting people and getting people maybe who wouldn't otherwise read this work to read it. Well, if you need any stories, we uh, it's yeah. what we do. We're doing it as like a quarterly thing, and. Uh, basically just try to expand our scope every time and uh, the next one's going to be the autumn one it's like a halloween themed one so uh we're, we're going to be taking submissions on that very soon cool. if any anyone who's listening fancy said doing it then just drop us an email uh straight to us and just submit stuff and we're always happy to give everyone's thing consideration or either pretty open-minded what what we include so wicked where can people find your email address um, it's pretty easy. It's just uh, frizzoncomics at gmail dot com. <laughs> that's that's frizzon f r i s s o n. Yeah, yes, that's yep. right. Cool. Where can people find the um, you know, your website, and where can they buy the book and, and all that jazz? Um, well, we have a, a a WordPress. I think that's the, the the main blog that we use for it. Um, but we sell mainly uh, online on uh, comicsy dot com. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just a free song comic store on there. <laughs> Literally cool. comicsy.co.uk forward slash free song comics. Cool. And we what? do have it on Kindle, but it's a bit more expensive than Comicsy, so I'd recommend doing it. Yeah, because the way that royalty works, that we have to charge more on Kindle. So it's a if you want a digital copy, get it off Comicsy instead. <laughs> We, we get all the money. Yeah. <laughs> cool. as well. Everyone wins. <laughs> cool. I'll put I'll put all of these links in the show notes as well. So um, yeah. So thanks for coming on the show. I mean, you guys have seen very lovely people. Uh, I really want to meet you in pe- in person and and shake your hands and I want to see the comic in physical because I've read the PDF. I've not seen it in in real life. But yeah, yeah. So thanks again, Dan. Have you got any closing words? <laughs> yeah, no, just one more question from me is where did Frizzon come from or Frizzon come from? Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's like a brainstorming session we had for a, like, a comics label and we decided on it. it's the like French word. It actually means like a, a shiver, which isn't totally unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. I like yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah um, we thought it was quite appropriate for what we were trying to go with <laughs> in terms of what our content is for the stories and such. Cool. Perfect. Uh, I just want to tell the listeners, go to www.hawkcleaver.com and check out the Other Stories podcast. 
Carl, we've got a new editor editing the shows, and the audio quality of the editing has gone up dramatically. It's phenomenal. Yeah. It's brilliant. So, <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Nice talk to you again. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.